You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning, church. Great to see everybody today. Uh, toss me the clicker, will you, brother? Toss me the clicker. Um, there we go. Touchdown. Yes! Um, quick thought as we get started. Um, next week is, um, or we are getting ready as a church. It's very exciting about what's going on in the church. We're very excited about what's happening. Coming up, I don't know if we have the slide there, brother, is our International Day of Giving to Hope Worldwide. This is a contribution that we're doing to support, yes, to support, um, you know, all of these incredible works that we have all over the world. And so we just really want to implore you to let God speak to you uh, dig deep into your heart. Uh, be thinking about others and how you might be able to contribute. This is just an incredible thing, organization that God has used to touch many, many, many people. And um, I, I really believe as we go forward, even with how we grow as a church and do as a church, our ability to touch the poor, to care about the poor, to love the poor, to have a heart for the poor is um, really deeply tied into where we're at spiritually and what we're doing as a congregation. So I want to charge you and have you thinking about that. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. A um, couple other little items. Yeah, good stuff. What's happening? Well, we've got uh, from Youth and Family and just end of summer, little business. We've got some folks leaving us and or graduating and moving upwards and onwards. Janae Johnson is off to UCR, I believe. Is this right? Or um, Where are you going, Janae? Stand up. Cal State San Bernardino. Excellent. What's their mascot? I don't even know their mascot. The Coyotes. You learn something new every day. The Coyotes. I like that. And Corey is off to UC Riverside. And what's the Riverside mascot? Who are you guys? The Highlanders? Boy, in a fight, you want a Highlander or a Coyote? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I have to think about that. Uh, Desi Cervantes is going to be off. She's leaving us as well. Desi, good. Where are you off to? CSUN? Second year at UCR. Another Highlander. Okay, good. So two Highlanders against one Coyote. little statistical prob- probability happening here. And we are sort of saying goodbye to Chandler, who is a Rams fan, I want to point out. Um, and Raekwon, they're both heading back to Inland Empire, isn't that right, For uh, to head back to start school. It's been great having you guys for the summer. Pray, pray for Chandler, everybody. It's a big deal. He is going to the Rams game. And he may need a resurrection later this afternoon. So we are praying for you, bro. may need a resurrection. And back with us, it's great to have Chris and Jenny. Uh, incredible wedding. I saw Chris and Jenny down here somewhere. Yep, there you are. Great to have you guys back with us. You mean so much to us. You were really missed. Um, we had some teens, you know, sort of, where are they? Where, when are they coming back? So you're very loved and missed. We love you guys. Really happy for you. Okay, today, um, look at this, new clicker. We are talking about, um, I'm, I guess it's the big green button that uh, <laughs> I'm looking at here. The good news. In Mark chapter 1, you guys are going to love this. Mark starts his gospel, and we believe Mark is writing to the Romans. This is his letter, this is his gospel to the Romans. Matthew, we think, is writing to the Jews. 
It's a lot longer, a lot more kingdom of God, a lot more Jewish history stuff in it. Mark doesn't have a lot of that. Mark doesn't have uh, nearly as many scriptural references that the Romans wouldn't have been aware of. Mark's a lot more. There's this amazing guy that came. You guys don't know anything about it. You don't know about him. He changed our lives. He's changing the world. And he starts his gospel with this word. You and Gelion. And you can try it. Let's all try it together. See, we got the little phonetics thing there at the bottom. You and Gelion. Right? Turn to your neighbor and try this one. Very good. Yeah, very good. It doesn't just roll off the tongue. It doesn't just roll off the tongue. It's the word for good news. It's the word for gospel. So when Mark starts his gospel and he says, in the beginning, you and Gelion, this is very meaningful. This is the word that the Romans used and waited for in anticipation when the army was out to war. And everybody's sort of watching the roads and up on the hills and looking for somebody that's going to bring news. Right? Think about this Proverbs. It's also in the Psalm. Uh, Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. And they would listen for this one word. Here he comes. There's somebody coming down the path. What's the word? We're listening for the word. You and Galeon. And if they heard you and Galeon, good news, everybody could exhale. We're okay. We won. We didn't lose. We, we overcame. We had victory. So this is a very powerful world, word in Roman culture, you and Galeon. And this is how Mark starts his gospel. Um, he, this is literally how it looks in the Greek. In the beginning, he uses this word, arche. Uh, the gospel, you and Galeon, of Jesus Christ, son of God. Boy, that looks cool if you, if you put it together in the Greek. Arche, you and Galeon, Jesus, Jesus, Christos, Yelos, Theos. That sounds a little bit different. It's got a little more oomph to it, doesn't it? Especially the first two, Arche, Euangelion, beginning of victory, beginning of overcoming, beginning of no more despair, beginning of hope, beginning of joy, beginning of celebration. This is the beginning, and that's how he starts his message. And they have thought, you know, Mark, maybe his gospel is shorter because he's not as literate. Maybe he's not as good a writer, you know, this kind of thing. But when you look at how he constructs something like that, that's wonderful. It speaks to Genesis 1. It's not like John 1 does, but it's got that sort, same sort of framework to it. The beginning is what? You and Gelion. You and Gelion. Lovely stuff. Okay, let me go backwards. So you do these things. Right, what's trending? What's trending last week? What's trending last week? You just put this search in, right? Well, last week was Batman Day. Didn't you know that? I didn't know that. That was a huge trend last week. I missed a huge trend last week. Also, last week, I think, was BET Awards with Snoop. That was really trending. That was a big deal. That was trending. I missed it. 
And this other thing was trending, Shaka. I was like, what is that? I missed another trend. He's a soccer player, scored a big goal. Got soccer fans out there? Somebody knows this. Yeah, there you go, right? Okay, yeah. So you know this, right? All right. So that was trending. I thought this was sort of interesting. PlayStation, virtual reality, Taco Bell. Just think about that for a minute. Not great. A little concerned about the youth of America today. And then there's all these um, Korean or Chinese characters that were trending. I'm like, what is, what is that? I don't know what that is. What's that? And I pop, K-pop's trending, right? K-pop's always sort of trending. K-pop's a big deal, right? And then this thing is, you know what's really trending right now is algae. That's a big trend right now. I missed it. So people are trying to... New food trend. They're using algae in some kind of restaurants. Algae. I haven't tried that. Anybody try algae? Any algae takers out there? No? Right? Well, you know, last year kale was big. Kale was big. Any kale fans? A few kale fans? All right. Yeah. Algae's a lot older than kale. Algae's like, kale, give me a break. Kale's a baby. <laughs> We've been around a billion years. You guys just found out about us? I mean, come on. Wait till you get to the amoebas. You guys are so slow. You guys are so slow. Kale. So algae's big. Whatever. But you know what wasn't big? What wasn't big? Jesus wasn't big last week on, on what was trending. I wonder what was big in your life last week. What was big in your life last week? What were your big trends? Right, we've got football fans. We're all thinking about football. We've got people going back to school. We've got a lot of people thinking about school. We've got a lot of parents with kids back in school. So a lot of us are thinking about that. That's a big transition for us. Um, you know, what were you thinking about? What were your big trends last week? I would imagine lots of us missed these trends. Next week, they'll all be totally different all over again. But... But what about Jesus? Why isn't he trending more in our life? It's a little story about an eagle and a vulture. And they both fly over a national park. And they're asked, you know, go fly over the national park and come on back and tell us what you see. And the eagle comes back and he's euphoric. It's like you can't believe What's out there? There's rivers. And there's waterfalls. And there's these incredible trees. And in the trees there's birds and squirrels and all kinds of stuff. And there's bears and deer. There's just this incredible landscape. I could have just stayed up there all day. And then the vulture comes back. Yeah, vulture, sit down. What? Let's interview the vulture. Vulture, what did you see? And the vulture says, not much. There's a dead rabbit. There's some bones uh, underneath a tree. And there's a, um, you know, there's a coyote that looks real sick. Maybe he'll keel, keel over later. I can get lunch. He just finds some dead stuff. And today we've got to ask ourselves, right? Because as we fly over the landscape of your life, isn't that sort of similar? 
We could fly over our life, we could fly over our life kind of with the eyes of eagles and go, oh yeah, look at all this incredible stuff. Look at how God rescued me. Look at how God has done all these things. Look at how God has blessed me. Look at all these incredible opportunities that I have. Look at what is before me. Or we can look at our lives through the eyes of a vulture. Look what we lost. Look at all the dead stuff. Look at all the pain. Maybe something else is going to die later tonight. Right? The eyes of an eagle compared to the eyes of a vulture looks really different. Right? The Christians in the, in the early century here would be really hard not to have the eyes of a vulture. Hey, they killed our leader. They're taking our rights away. They hate us. We don't have any, we have very little opportunity. We're, we're prejudiced against. Uh, we're not popular. We're not trending at all. They want to kill us all. So it'd be hard to start your letter with words like this. So Mark being able to get to a place, and even though uh, uh, on the outside it looks like everything's terrible and everything's going against us, he starts his letter with, Arche in the beginning, Eugelion, victory, good news. And I want you thinking about this. How do you view your life? Everybody's life is a story. Everybody's life has these great chapters in it, and everybody's life has terrible chapters in it. And you've got to think through, how do you process this and put the pieces of your life together? It's hard not to be the vulture and look at all the dead stuff and then just sort of fixate and think about what else is going to die. I think it takes more energy to be the eagle and, and look at opportunity and have eyes of faith and find beauty and think about overcoming and soaring and soaring and soaring. I think that's a lot more challenging. I think that's what, I think that requires real spirituality. I think that requires us getting out of our head and how it sort of views things through very small lenses and, and trying to have more of a God view, trying to have more of a spirit view. How do I fit into this big mosaic? How do I fit into this big story? I'm a part of God's story. What's my role in this big story? That's what we got, need to be thinking about today. And that's what Mark's trying to do uh, with the Romans. Simon! Simon! First, the bad news. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you. Can you imagine Jesus looking at you right in the eye and saying, I prayed for you. I prayed for you specifically. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. I prayed for you. Why? Because the devil, he wants to sift your soul. Right? And sort of the language here is, is trying to separate the wheat and the chaff, and you've got these huge skies, and you just, you know, right through, right through the thing. And that's what Satan wants to do with your soul. He wants to take this huge scythe and just, just right through your soul. You know, that would be stunning to be Peter and hear that from Jesus. Uh, I'd be a little paranoid after that. Um, but this is our reality. This is where we sit this morning. Satan desires your soul. Satan wants to chew you alive. He wants to take a scythe right through your heart. He wants to take a scythe right through your family. He wants to take a scythe right through your dreams and your faith. He wants to take a scythe right through any opportunity you think you might have in the future. And Jesus is thinking, no, I pray that your faith does not fail. 
And remember to come back and strengthen your brothers. Remember to come back and strengthen the church. Remember to come back and strengthen the sisters. Remember to come back and give back again. Amen? So that's, that's sort of the bad news. And think about how he sifts us. You ever been in a marriage fight, husbands? And your wife says something and it feels bad. And you have that gut-wrenching moment. That's the devil right there in that moment. He's trying to sift your soul. You know, we've got wives. He comes home and he ignores her and he doesn't listen. And then there's some red flags in her mind about some of his behavior. That's the devil right at that moment. He's got his scythe out and he's trying to sift your soul. You ever fail a test, students? You ever fail a test? And students do this a lot. I failed this test, and now I'm not going to get an A. And now I'm not going to go to UC fill in the blank. And now I'm, I'm going I'm to, you know, get a bad job. And now I'm not going to marry anybody good. And my dad hates me. He's going to throw me out of the house. I mean, I'm such a loser. I'm, tomorrow, I think I'll probably be homeless. Right? Failing a test. That's the devil. He's trying to sift your soul. He's trying to sift your soul. You ever like somebody? Single people? Single people, you like somebody? And you want them to like you back. Maybe on something more of a romantic date. We want to get out of friend zone. Do I get out of friend zone? It's nice, but it's not the goal. Isn't that right? And you sort of open up a little bit. Hey, I think I like you a little more than a friend. And she says, yeah, no, a friend's good. <laughs> well, I mean, you're like one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. You're a friend. It's nice. That's the devil right there. He's sifting your soul. He's sifting your soul. You ever been fired? You ever been fired? I got kind of fired from an internship in which I was volunteering for free. It was unbelievable. I want to be mindful of time. I get a little lost in my stories, but suffice it to say, I went home and I thought, I'm volunteering for free. And it's a super hard job. I'm seeing schizophrenics and people with serious distress and they want to fire me. I'm here trying to do good and not get paid. I did some serious soul searching that night and it felt like the devil was sifting my soul. You ever feel depressed? That's the devil. He's trying to sift your soul. Or anxious? Have a panic attack? Have some panic attack? Ever have a panic attack? Yeah, that's the devil. He's right there. He's trying to sift your soul. And we get anxious. I, ever, you ever, anybody, we've been in a behavior, been in a behavior, and you just feel like, I can't stop doing this. I told my friends, I told some of the other people, I told people in my family, I got some help for it, I got some professional help for it, I took some drugs for it, and it won't go away, I can't stop doing this thing. 
Boy, you'll get some despair right there. That's the devil. He's trying to sift your soul. He's trying to sift your soul. Paul says this in Romans 1. Back to the Romans. Mark's writing to the Romans. Paul's writing to the Romans, obviously in Romans. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. In it, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last or faith to faith. What a great passage. It's curious, though, isn't it? He talks about this. Uh, why does he use this word ashamed? I think probably because there was a time maybe he was ashamed of it. You know, when he first became a Christian, he lost everything. He was fired. And he was hated. And he would have had a lot of guilt on his hands for killing innocent people. And he was doing something that wasn't respected. And he was doing something that looked like it had no future in it. And he very much looked like he was throwing his life away. So there would have been a lot of shame in this. He's experiencing, at the point of his conversion, something that on the world, in the world's eyes, would have looked like failure. You threw, Paul, you threw your life away. There's some real shame in that. Paul, you're super educated, right? What do we know about his secondary job? He's a tent maker. Doesn't take a lot of education to learn how to do tents. That's like going from computer scientist, right, to donut maker at Stan's in Westwood. You took a radical career departure here. Where, where are you going, Paul? There would have been some shame in this. And now he's at the point when he's writing, he goes, Hey guys, it's good news. One of the good things is, I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, we all carry some shame around with us. We carry some shame around with us because... Um, some of us are just wired to just feel bad about ourselves. we got some of those people out there. And some of us have done some bad things, and it's hard to get over some of the bad things we've done, and shame follows around with us. And I think there's a big difference between guilt and shame. I think guilt is great. I'm telling you, I think guilt is great. Guilt means you're a good human person. And you did something wrong, and you're getting some feedback, oh man, that was terrible. And that thing is supposed to be, that feedback we're supposed to use to change and go in another direction. We call it repentance, amen? So guilt leads us to repentance. That's a healthy system. That's a system that'll work. That's a system that'll produce growth. But shame isn't so much I'm guilty about this thing I've done. Shame is I'm just a bad person. I'm just a bad person. I'm a terrible person. And God doesn't look at, it this, look at us that way. God looks at us again through the eyes of, not the vulture, but of Jesus. And sees all this incredible potential of what you are going to become. And so, Paul gets to this great place. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel really is good news. And so if you have marriage problems, the gospel is good news. you got school problems, gospel is good news. you got single problems, gospel is good news. you got financial problems, gospel is good news. Amen? Jesus, why is he inspiring? I'm single. He didn't get married. Why is Jesus inspiring? I want a better career. He's careerless. Why is Jesus inspiring? I want to get married and move into a home. We were with friends the other night. We're having dinner and we're talking about this brother's brother. And and the wife's parents sat down and sort of eyeballed them and says, none of this running around in the city stuff. You've got to buy a home. Right? If you're going to marry our daughter, you've got to buy a home. 
And Jesus didn't have a home. Jesus didn't have a home. I got to finish. I got to get a degree, maybe another degree and another degree. And we're in sort of this culture of adding degrees like we add shirts in our closet. We're just always adding more degrees. Jesus didn't have a degree. What's inspiring about Jesus? He's not doing a lot of the things that the world has us out here doing. Ah, John 14. (laughs) But so many of us in chasing this stuff are trying to make ourselves happy and soothe our souls. And that stuff doesn't really soothe your soul. It might soothe your resume or soothe some loneliness or soothe some ego stuff. But Jesus says in John 14, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Single, you want to get married? A lot of married people that don't have a lot of peace. Teens, you want to go to college because that's fun. A lot of college people that aren't very happy. In college, you want to graduate and get a degree, but a lot of professional people make a lot of money and they're not very happy either. And you want to get a house, talk about a pain in the neck. You got to pay taxes, you got to change the plumbing and electricity, and it's drought, it's not drought tolerant. I mean, you have problems in a house. They don't give you peace, they don't give you a lot of peace. Jesus is on a totally different wavelength here. That stuff, though, I know the world, you need to get that stuff. And that's part of life. That's part of living. But we don't put our hope and real meaning in that because peace comes from somewhere else. And that's why we're here today. To search for this and to celebrate this and to reaffirm our belief that peace really comes from Jesus. That this is God's gift to us in the midst of a lot of hardship God gives us the incredible capacity to experience peace. In 2 Corinthians 4, another great passage on gospel, says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. Uh, this is an image of Gettysburg, and sort of famously fog rolls in and out of Gettysburg. And, you know, when there's fog on the battlefield, there's this veil. It's hard to know what's really going on out there. And back to it again. We've got married people that feel like they come home and there's a lot of fog. We've got teens at home and home feels foggy. We've got people that go to school. School feels foggy. We've got people that go to work. feels foggy here at work. I don't know what's going on. A lot of us, though, as Christians, we go through hardship. When we go through hardship, that tends to have this veiling effect. I know that I'm doing something right. I know that this is good. And I know that there's heaven, but I'm suffering right now. And I don't understand why I'm going through this thing. Really have enjoyed our Tuesday night class on being transformed. And we've got a lot of folks in the church trying to make sense out of suffering in their lives as Christians. And we've got people that have, are experiencing more suffering in their life after they've become a Christian than when before they became a Christian. And it's impossible not to have a moment in prayer and go, God, this does not feel very loving and makes no sense to me. Am I being punished? This is a really difficult place for a lot of our Christians that are going through hardship not to go to this place. I must be failing in some way. This has got to be some punishment. And it isn't. Hardship 
Hebrews 12 is about discipline. And what father doesn't discipline child? And when we're disciplined, no discipline seems what at the time? Pleasant. We worry about the kid. That's a red flag. The kid that gets spanked, and I'm not sure. We've got a lot of people that don't spank. I was a spanker. I got spanked. Uh, that, you know, that might be a group, the Friday night group, spankers. <laughs> New group. Be a weird ad. I'm not sure how we'd promote that. Never mind. Never mind. But the child that gets spanked says, thank you. That was wonderful. Can we do that again? Now you have a serious problem if you're a parent. No, there should be some tears. There should be some reflecting. There should be some, you know, wow, what just happened? That was uh, not, that was unpleasant. But we're trying as parents, every parent that loves their child is trying to do some teaching training. And God's trying to do the exact same thing with us. And that's why we go through some hardship, because he doesn't like us. No. And that word is padeo. It just has to do with training and teaching. Like an athlete, he's training us. He's trying to grow us into something else and something more special. Many of us, though, this morning, we feel like we're in a little bit of a veiled thing with God. I know it's right. I know it's good. But it feels foggy. Where is he? How do I connect? I, I need more handholds to get close to him. That's okay. That's just what hardship and pain does to us. Hold on. Take a breath. Get back to peace. What does fog do? Fog settles. And the sun comes out. And then we see it all. And Christians, some of you are in this place at this time. And that's okay. Some people got studying the Bible and they're in this place at this time. It's okay. Find some peace because we know we're going to heaven. That gives me peace. Find some peace because I know i got great people here. That gives me peace. Find some peace knowing I'm not going to live like the world and be enslaved to the world. That gives me peace. And wait for the, the, the fog to settle and we're going to find the Gospel is good news and that there's great hope for me. Amen? I'm going to watch, uh, we're going to watch a, a quick uh, clip here from the movie The Patriot. And in this movie, um, Mel Gibson, we have some cultural weirdness with Mel Gibson now. Sorry for that. Um, has done some things in war that scared his child. And now he's come back and he's trying to kind of make good with his daughter. And we get this scene. Goodbye. Sorry, that's not the point. Goodbye, Susan. Goodbye. Just one more, that's all I want.
So a lot of things happening. Walk, just walk through this with me for a minute as we close. She's experienced things that, again, scared her. We've all experienced things that we don't understand. And so when she faces her father, there's fear. I think all of us can, you know, relate to this. And, and giving my life wholly over to God, there's some real fear. What's God going to really do with my life? Some of us are studying the Bible and we're feeling afraid about really handing our life over to God. Some of us have been Christians for 30 years and we're still afraid of handing our life over to God. And Job says this in Job 6, What strength do I have that I should still hope? And we can see her here kind of at this this moment. I think fear also makes us want to isolate. Look at the picture. Do you see the church? Do you see what the church? Look at the church. They're sort of over there to her side. And she is off kind of in the corner by herself. Who's not felt like that before? We've all experienced some of that before. Uh Uh-oh, I'm afraid. I'm feeling isolated. And look again, Job 6. Do I have any power to help myself now that success has been driven from me? Now when I don't believe, I just don't believe that any good could come out of this? What do we do? Isolate. And we're a little person down in the corner. But then there's that moment. Isn't that heartbreaking? She's just, she's just, ah, oh, I, I want this. I'm afraid. I should approach. But I'm afraid to approach. What do I say? I don't know what to say. And she just lets go. And this reminds me of that beautiful passage in Psalm 73. Remember how he opens the psalm? As for me, my feet had almost slipped. I envied my neighbor. But later in uh, verse 7 or 8, he says, I tried to understand all of this, and it was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. Then I let go. And Christian, I'm challenging you. I'm begging you. I'm imploring you. Give those fears. Give that brokenness. Give that craziness. Just give it to God. Get into this sanctuary. Get into His place. You know, if you don't feel like God is in your bedroom or in your living room or in your kitchen or in your car, then get out of there. Go get into His place. We've got to get into His sanctuary. That's what we want to build here. Amen, church? We want to build this place where we always remind each other of God. But back to trending, we've learned so much in the last few months of being here. What have been the big trends in the church? Hey, did you hear about that church leader? Did you hear about that church problem? Did you hear about that church sister? Did you hear about church fill in the blank? These are the trends in the church? Why is this trending in the church? This shouldn't be trending in the church. This is our sanctuary. This is where we come to do this thing. 
This is where we come to collect each other and take care of each other and help each other heal and grow and be safe. This is what we're building. Psalm 73, that sanctuary, that's a sacred place. And we want to experience this thing. My heart, Psalm 27, I love this. Psalm 27, my heart says of you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. That incredible thing that babies do with parents, with a mother, with a father, that reaching out and trying to touch their face. Back to 2 Corinthians 4, if it feels veiled, get closer. And just use your hands. If your eyes don't work, get closer and use your hands and just touch Him. Because He's this dad that's right there wanting to hold you, wanting you to be close to Him. Is this a connection? Wanting to be connected. He's not holding, um, you know, a sheet of all your wrongs and He's going to judge and go through all this stuff with you before He gives you a hug. No, this is prodigal son, prodigal daughter moment. This is the heart of God. This is what he's looking for, what he's wanting to create in our relationship with him and what he's wanting to create here on earth with us. And let me leave leave you with this. John 16. What's the good news? I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world, we're all going back Monday morning, some of us after church, in the world, you're going to have trouble. Take heart. I have overcome the world. That's good news. And so we say, you and Gelion, because we see a messenger coming, and my life might feel messy, but the messenger is bringing news about Jesus and the cross and a resurrection and new hope and new life. God bless you and bless, God bless the church. Let's have a final song. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.